Warning, the following podcast may contain potential plot spoilers, but then again, it may not at all. Hello and welcome to Potential Spoilers. I'm Kieran and I'm joined by Maddie D. And six inches, apparently, isn't that big. It's not? I was surprised too. And if you didn't want to know that, then you shouldn't be listening to this show because that is a spoiler. It certainly is because what we do on this show typically is we look at all the promotional material for an upcoming Hollywood blockbuster and then we attempt to predict as much of the plot as humanly possible and then we go away and see how close we got to the actual movie. And this week we're covering how well we predicted... Vin Diesel's Bloodshot. Yes, so we I think we did our original Bloodshot episode about two years ago. It was a different time back then, Kieran. Yes, it was a pre-COVID world. Uh, little did we know that Bloodshot was going to be the very first movie to be affected by COVID that we covered on our show. So I guess there's a little element of that to how well the movie did as well. I think we've discussed it before on previous episodes, but I just want to point out as well straight away that this isn't necessarily a review of Bloodshot. So if you haven't seen Bloodshot or if you haven't listened to our previous episode where we talked about Bloodshot, where we predicted what would happen in Bloodshot, then this episode isn't going to mean anything to you. I think you really need the context of what we originally said about the movie to really follow what we're talking about here. And we're basically going to spoil the shit out of Bloodshot as well. So if you haven't seen Bloodshot and you really, really want to, go and watch that first, listen to our episode, and then come back to this one. Yep, that's the best way to do it. Because heaven forbid we deprive you of an experience like watching Bloodshot. Dude, the trailer spoiled this movie. Yeah, I suppose we can talk about it. Though I don't want to take away from our like little victory here, because again, without spoiling anything, I think this may be one of the best predictions we've ever made. And I yes. don't want to. I don't want to say that's all because the trailer just gave the whole movie away. I just want to say that this is our pure predicting powers at their best, rather than just mm. yeah, ooh, we lucked out. Yeah, yeah, it was us. It was us. We were so good at predicting this movie. But I guess we'll find out because I guess we don't know how much we got right, how much we got wrong for this yeah. one. So let's not just count our chickens just yet. That's true. That's true. So now, before we break down what we said would happen compared to what actually happened in the movie, let's talk about how well Bloodshot did itself. <laughs> So, (laughs) Manny D, I I always ask you this question, and I always think I say that Charlie's Angels is the low point, but with that in mind, and with the the idea in mind that Bloodshot had a $45 million budget, how well do you think it did in the box office? I think what this movie received was two patronising pats on the head to Vin Diesel by Guy Pearce. Yep. (laughs) And uh, you did good sport. Better luck next time. Really? Like, no money in the box office at all? Nope. Well, I actually saw this in cinemas, so I know that that's not true for a fact. So it's got your money at least. Yeah. So if anything, it made $21. (laughs) Just to give you a little bit more of an idea as well, cinemas closed two weeks after this movie launched, so it didn't get to have like a full cinematic run either. Mm. So how much do you think it made in those two weeks? Serious guess. Uh, Serious guess, 80 mil. $80 million on a $45 million budget, so it was a success? Yeah, I'm going to guess that. All right. Well, it actually made $37.3 million in the box office, which is quite a a low blow there. And just for comparison, I just want to point out as well that Charlie's Angels made $73.3 million. So it did, in the original, when we went back and revisited Charlie's Angels, I did say that Bloodshot made more money during COVID than Charlie's Angels did, but that's just not true at all. (laughs) Charlie's Angels blasted it out of the water. It still didn't make its money back. But I think for episodes and episodes, I've just said that Charlie's Angels made like $7 million when it was actually $70 million the whole time. (laughs) So I've just been like extra harsh on Charlie's Angels, calling it like a total failure. And really, if anything, Bloodshot is the total failure here. (laughs) 
There we go. Charlie's Angels, congratulations. You are no longer the level of which we're judging movies. That has been replaced by Bloodshot. Yeah, but the thing is, Charlie's Angels didn't come out during COVID. So there's that element as well. So Charlie's Angels was an abysmal failure and it didn't even have COVID to blame. Where this one, like, they've entirely blamed the failure of this movie on COVID and not any other element of the movie because everything else was a winner. It did well. Um, no, it didn't. I think that's the point of it being a box office failure. <laughs> being a little bit sarcastic. I guess it's worth as well saying before we get started that first, Kieran said we're, we're going to be talking about our plots uh, and how well and how accurate our, our plots were to the actual movie. But just through that, our opinions seep out and yes. probably after after this route, after talking about the plot, talk about our feelings of the movie, which I'm already gauging how you felt. That's true. So, of course, at the end of these revisited episodes, at the end of these actual spoilers installments, we do like to say how we felt about the movie, just to sort of give it a whole wrap up and really sort of reflect back on what we expected the movie to be compared to what they actually delivered. So I think that's an important part of it. And our egos got gradually bigger as the show progressed. Yes. And we were like, you know what? The show is about us and our opinions and thoughts. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's true too. Something interesting as well, Matty D, is that I found out doing a little bit more research on the movie is that Bloodshot was supposed to be like the Iron Man of a valiant cinematic universe. Oh, no. (laughs) So this was supposed to be like Vin Diesel's Avengers. So he was going to have like his whole... Valiant comic hero lineup in a whole series of standalone movies, and they were eventually going to build up to like a, a Bloodshot Avengers. <laughs> what? But I don't oh think that's going to happen. No, I don't think so either. Who? Who are the? Who are the other Valiant characters? I have no idea. <laughs> I didn't even know now. who Bloodshot was. So <laughs> yeah, the worst part about all of this is that Vin Diesel, you're already in the MCU. You're already involved. Why do you need to go off and do your own one? I guess because he doesn't <laughs> physically appear. He only does the voice of Groot. In the MCU, he was a little bit jealous. He's like, I want everyone to see me, my face. And I want to be Iron Man. Yeah, exactly. And so he wanted to really bring his own performance to that. So have you found anybody else who is like famous from Valiant? So I googled some Valiant comic characters and we've got the top ones that I'm seeing are Exo Mano War. Okay. Of course, Ninjax. Yeah. Shadow Man. Shadow Man. Oh. Shadow Man actually sounds really cool. Archer and Armstrong. (laughs) That sounds like a comedy duo from the 60s. (laughs) Livewire. All right. All right. Stop. You're just making me sad now. Mother God is another one. (laughs) Mother of (laughs) God. Then they get lazy. Dr. Time. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, now I'm just really sad that we're not getting this Valiant Cinematic Universe because I'm I'm imagining this is like the $2 shop version of all the Avengers. (laughs) So, Dr. Time is just someone wearing, like, a costume of Dr. Strange, but with a clock around his neck. His Spooler Man. Spooler Man? Is that, like, Spider-Man, but the Valiant version? Or was it his Spooler Man? Yes, and Bot Man. And Bot Man. Oh, geez. So, he's like, I don't know. Is there a robot in the MCU? I suppose. Is there a robot? Yeah, I suppose Ultron. I guess Vision is, Or Vision. Yeah, okay. So, Bot Man is the Vision of the Valiant Cinematic Universe. The VCU, as I'm calling it from now on. The VCU. Oh, wow. You know, time might tell. Maybe they'll like have a huge cinematic universe and then when Bloodshot dies, we'll all be mm. saying R.I.P. Vin Diesel. Yeah, when they fight their big purple alien bad guy equivalent in their Avengers movie equivalent. Yeah, who knows? It may be coming. Now, before we sort of break down how well we did, let's quickly explain how our point system works. So, when we go away and do a plot by ourselves, we basically have a point system where we award, you know, two points for something we nailed completely without a speck of information, one point for something we got from the information given to us, and then half a point if we were on the right track but not quite there. But since we worked on this plot together, since we shared the experience, 
Essentially, what we're going to boil it down to is what we got right and what we got wrong. So we get a point in the right column for everything we got correct. And we got a point in the wrong column for everything we got incorrect. It's a fair and balanced system. That's true. And that should give us a ratio of right to wrong by the end of the episode. And then depending on how balanced that ratio is, we'll see if our prediction was a success or not. And I'm feeling oh, yeah. very I'm feeling very happy this week. I'm feeling very <laughs> confident this episode. Yeah, I have a feeling I know which way the scales will dip. Yep. All right, I'm excited. Let's find out straight away. Let's get the bad news out of the way first. I want to know everything we got wrong, and then we can really Let's. dive into how well we did. <laughs> Let's. I, I'm going to take what we got wrong. So I went down and I sat through Bloodshot, sat through it, <laughs> being the operative word, and I picked everything that we got wrong with our predictions. So here it is. So first thing I just want to say straight off the bat, it, it, when we were talking about the actors, we talked about this female character who didn't have a name, by the way, when yeah. we did the prediction. Madam M. Madam M. Yeah. Uh, Isaac Gonzalez's character who was KT in the movie. <laughs> what a stupid name. Yeah. Not Katie, KT. No. no, exactly. So we talked about her and I just want to, I just want to give myself a little bit of a... Yeah, uh, I knew this was coming. ...of an applause here because I sort of was saying... In fact, I said that she was going to be the love interest. Yeah, that's right. Which that's debatable whether she was. They're very sort of platonic in the actual movie, as is standard for Hollywood these days, but she might as well be the love interest since they go off together in a caravan at the end of the movie. Yeah, they ride off into the sunset. So I think the movie is just wanting to say, like, draw your own conclusions if these guys get together. But I said straight off the bat that she would be a love interest that's debatable but what i did say was i thought she was going to be sort of the empathetic character that feels bad for uh bloodshot and tries to help him out you disagreed and we had this compromise where we thought she's going to seem like she's nice and friendly and on his side but actually is bad the entire time yeah so one of the main issues of our original prediction is that so many times you were on the right track but then i would completely derail it so almost i think almost everything that we got wrong was my fault because I think I had this completely different image of what some of the characters were like in my head and then I would just grab the reins and not compromise and then drag us off into the wrong direction <laughs> when we were so close to being right if I just listened to you. Uh, it's all right. We get we get more stuff right than uh, We that, don't know that yet. We don't know that yet. Now, next thing we got wrong is we were talking about Vin Diesel's relationship with his wife. Now, in the trailer, yeah. we saw that he was married we knew that this was going to be a vision that they indoctrinated into his mind and in his dreams. Yeah. So we weren't too sure if she was going to be real, if she was, you know, if he was going to have an actual relationship with her. Now, we settled on the fact that they were never actually married. Yeah, that's right. Which they weren't. Now, in the movie, they had a relationship. That's true. That ended. Um, we kind of said that they wouldn't have had any kind of relationship. She was just a random person. Yeah, that's right. So it was the daughter of a mob boss that he used to work for and he knew her, but they never actually had any sort of like romantic relationship is I think what we said. I think we said that she was the daughter of a mob boss and then they got romantically involved. Right. Okay, oh, no, so- they didn't get romantically involved. Sorry. Yeah. But but he, he knew of her. But in the actual movie... They were in a relationship. The relationship ended, I think, yeah. over five years ago. Because Vin Diesel was obsessed with going to war. She's like, I didn't want you to go to war. I always come home. I didn't want you. I wanted you to stay home. <laughs> what a, what an interesting ex-wife, ex-husband relationship that is, where she greets him by hugging him and going, hey, I haven't seen you in five years. How are you doing? Yeah. And then he's like, now I'm home. And then just, all of a sudden, she's scared. <laughs> On that note, we thought uh, Vin Diesel, I keep calling him Vin Diesel, Bloodshot is his name. I can't remember what the actual person's name, Garrison, I think was his name. Um, yeah, Ray Garrison. 
Mm, we thought that he was going to have some dark and shady past. Yeah. Because what uh, the story was in the comics was actually he was a, a two-bit thug, a criminal, someone who worked for crime organizations. Yeah. Um, and then they, you know, made him believe he was a Marine. Now, we should have known that Vin Diesel's too arrogant to ever play somebody who's bad. So, yes. you know, past Fast 1, Fast 2. So, he was always going to be a Marine and that's who he was. So, he yeah. got that wrong. He yeah, was actually a soldier through and through. Yep. And a hero, a real hero the whole time. Yeah, totally a real hero. So we thought that uh, Wiggins, his name was Wiggins, right? That's right. Wilford Wiggins, I think it was. Yeah, Wilford Wiggins. We thought that Wiggins was going to be working for Guy Pierce. Yeah. He was going to be a little guy in the company that everyone just sort of discarded and didn't, didn't you know, factor in. And yeah, we basically of. thought he was going to be the small penis guy from the actual movie. We thought he was, yeah. I, yeah, we thought, we kind of came really close because the character that we described was Eric. Yeah, that's right. In the actual movie. But what we thought was going to happen was... Wiggins was going to be like the IT guy that everyone pushes around and eventually he'll help Bloodshot out. He'll help Bloodshot escape and learn the truth. He does do that, but he never works for Guy Pearce's organization. RST or whatever it was called. Actually works against their organization, if anything. Yeah, that's right. Now, we speculated as to what Guy Pearce's organization, I keep calling him Guy Pearce, I think his name was Emil. You can tell how much this movie hit me. But we we speculated what this corporation was doing, and I think we decided that there would be an assassin corporation. Yep, just like in uh, Gemini, man. (laughs) Now... They do go, or they use uh, Bloodshot to go kill people, but they're the people they're killing are, are rivals to yeah, not the, the not rivals. To- no, they're not rivals. They're actually former employees. Yes. So they all used to work yeah, with RST, employees. but uh, he's sort of tying up loose ends by getting rid of them because he doesn't want the only other people in the world who know how to make a machine like Bloodshot to ever like recreate it. Yeah. So not an assassin corporation. No. So that is something they might as well right. be though. They kill a lot of people. Yeah. So here's the next thing. Now we kind of thought, oh, well, Bloodshot will think these guys are bad guys because he thinks they're all the characters that killed his wife. Yeah, that's right. You know, and he goes and chases them and kills them. But we'll find out, and it'll be a huge twist that they're actually really nice people and like guys that are doing good things for the environment and activists. And it's going to make this, yeah. you know, huge emotional weight to the movie where Bloodshot has to come to terms with his killing good people, and then he's going to have to go off and, you know, redeem himself. No such thing happens, or not not to that level. And as far as I'm concerned, and I know this is a debatable point, but every body bloodshot kills in the movie kind of seems like a scummy and mean kind of guy. And it kind of seems like, yes, Guy Pierce is a bad character, but he's making bloodshot kill other bad characters. No, I wouldn't necessarily say they're bad people. I wouldn't say that they're good either, but I think they're just sort of like former employees who thought they were doing something good, but then when Guy Pierce, when Dr. Emil Harding realized that he could sort of weaponize Bloodshot, he wanted to get rid of them because they would be the only people who could like stand against him or recreate what he's done and fight against him. So I could understand why they're a little bit upset and seem mean in the movie, but I think they have a, a real justified reason to be in the first place. Why does the guy with the beard... Why has he pretty much got Wiggins imprisoned and won't let him leave? Because he is trying to basically force him to build a machine that will save his life because he knows that Bloodshot is going to come after him. So he's the only person who can basically save his life. And yeah, I suppose like imprisoning him and forcing him to work isn't really the nicest thing to do. So yeah, I could say that that guy wasn't the best person in the world. But as far as Axe is concerned, he didn't seem like a bad guy. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Axe 
didn't we didn't see enough of Axe who he really was to determine whether he no. was a good guy or a bad guy. But the guy with the beard definitely is a jerk. Yeah, he definitely was a jerk. But yeah, I, okay, I still agree that we got that point wrong because they certainly weren't humanitarian figures. They certainly weren't trying to like save like stop world hunger or anything like that, save the environment. Yeah. I know it's a debatable point, but I think we thought it was going to be deeper than what the movie actually yeah, was. Yeah, so we thought that he would figure out that he's killing good people, which would lead him to question what Dr. Mm. Emile's motives were in the first place, and he starts to work out that he is being manipulated. But that isn't really something that happens in the movie. Yeah, and we thought, and that's my next point, we thought that he was going to have a massive crisis of faith and he was going to feel really guilty about killing the, the good people he killed. Bloodshot never really feels that. He never really no. questioned. Well, he does question what he does, but he never feels bad that it, or feels responsible. The message of the movie seems to be, you know, you made me do your bidding. Like, you forced me to do things yeah. where, I, where I had no control over. Yeah, he doesn't really seem to care that he killed all these people. I guess he doesn't yeah, really remember. Like, to him, he killed, like, one person when he actually killed, like, 20. <laughs> yeah, the main conflict of the movie is you shouldn't control Vin Diesel. Not yeah, Vin yeah. Diesel killed these people in cold blood. Yeah, that's it, exactly. So next thing we say is we thought that every time, and this is something I got wrong, by the way. So here's my bad contributions to the plot. We said that every time Garrison, Bloodspot, Bloodspot, <laughs> Bloodshot wakes up, Emil is going to ask Bloodshot what he remembers, and then Bloodshot's going to fill the blanks. And that's that's how Emil's going to ma- manipulate him through the, the course of the movie. Yeah. But actually, we were completely wrong with that. Emil actually tells him exactly what happens as soon as he wakes up or what he quote-unquote remembers because yeah. Bloodshot's going to have amnesia. Yeah. In some ways, we were right, but in the way that we sort mm. of predicted, we were kind of wrong. So, we yeah. can sort of debate it as we go on. Yeah. By the way, you called him Bloodspot then. Have you noticed <laughs> that throughout the course of this show, we've talked about Bloodshot, we've talked about Deadshot, we've talked about Bloodsport, and we've talked about Sunspot? <laughs> so, no wonder we get confused. Yes, I know. It's crazy. They need to come up with more inventive superhero names, sort of like B-list superhero names. If you'd even classify them as that. Oh, yeah, Shadow Man and Dr. Time. How could I forget those memorable (laughs) characters? In our plot, we said Emil is going to make Bloodshot go after who he thinks is the crime family or who actually is the crime family. The DeMarco Um, crime family, I think it was. Yeah. I'm mixing that up with something else. Yeah, and this is where he sees his wife for the first time or the yep. wife that's in his mind, Gina. which makes him question everything about his reality. Yep. Doesn't happen. No. Um, he does meet up with his wife eventually when he yeah, goes right. to find her, but it's not something he's, he doesn't see her in passing no. and then makes him sort of question his reality. It's not a trigger event for him. No, no. Now, once he gets triggered in our plot, we said that once he gets triggered by, his, by seeing his wife, he's going to go to Wiggins to get more information. Doesn't really happen. I know Wiggins helps him out revives him essentially but he doesn't yep. go to Wiggins and sort of press him for information and make him tell him the truth no I wish he did though because I would have liked to have seen Wiggins smacked around a bit <laughs> you didn't like him no not really found him a bit irritating yeah a little bit a bit forced yes <laughs> I think the filmmakers were like yeah this movie is really sort of like <laughs> there's a huge black hole called Vin Diesel who's really sucking the all the enjoyment out of the movie we need to inject <laughs> a little bit more levity into it well, that's the thing, hey. Everyone else had to, like, almost overact to compensate for his underacting. Yes. And so they just told um, Wiggins to go for it. <laughs> now, this is another bad contribution I made to our plot. I said that, and I was, and I was so One of few. One of few. I think we all know who the real blame lies on. <laughs> Listening back to that episode. I was really adamant that Wiggins was going to be part of a revolutionary group that yeah. was trying to take down the company from the inside. Um, yeah, well, from the inside, but he is kind of. We'll get into it when I cover what we got right. 
Well, he's a solo guy, right? He's not he's not working with anybody. Correct. I Correct. thought he had, you know, a ragtag group of people that were all trying to like yeah. destroy the company. He seems more like a cyber terrorist for good. Yeah, that's right. So once this revelation happened, we said that Bloodspot, Bloodshot, <laughs> Bloodsport, <laughs> will go Deadshot, to Emil and confront him. Yeah, sorry. And Emil is going to show him the simulation. Now we see this scene in the trailer, and he essentially explains everything. Now this scene does happen in the in the movie, but it doesn't come because Bloodshot confronted Emil. No. He kind of put Vin Diesel to sleep and then showed him the simulation before he erased his mind. That's right, or attempted to erase his mind. Yeah. It's a bit of a stretch, I know, but it was enough wrong that I included it here. Yeah, yep, fair enough. Now, we thought that Jimmy, our good friend Jimmy Arms McGee... Oh, I was like, who's Jimmy? But the Jimmy Dalton. Jimmy Dalton. Dr. Octopus himself. <laughs> the one-note bad guy himself. Yeah. Was going to be sent to kill a rogue bloodshot. Yeah. Now he is. He is. He is, he is twice throughout the movie. Twice, yeah. But what we didn't think, we, we kind of thought that uh, Jimmy was going to be like this dragon that we don't see until the end of the movie yeah. when Emil is trying to get bloodshot and he sends Jimmy out to do that. In reality, Jimmy's going to be a part of the squad the entire time. We've been introduced to him very early on. Yeah, that's right. And if you weren't aware that the RTS was actually an evil corporation, he gives it away right at the start of the movie <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> he's just so he's just so evil. He's like yeah. he's just enjoying people being in pain. Yes, so they might as well introduce him. When they're introducing Bloodshot to all the people that we think are going to be the heroes of the movie, they might as well introduce Jimmy Dalton as like, oh, and here's our and here's our token villain of the group, Mr. <laughs> like evil smiles and laughs and is a jerk to you for no real reason. Yeah. I uh, I read the Wikipedia page about this movie after after watching it because there was a few things I was like, what? Are, this didn't make any sense. Why did this happen? And I read about his character and apparently the idea behind his character was he was jealous of Vin Diesel. Oh, really? And like, I wonder who God, contributed that to the script. Yes. <laughs> yeah, because he liked he liked the girl and the girl was all over Vin. Oh, really? I didn't get that from the movie at all. Me neither, but apparently that was the intention. The way that I read it was that he was so fucking sick of Vin Diesel, as in he was so fucking sick of Bloodshot, that he just refused to play along anymore. Like, maybe the first few times he was, like, all smiles and friendly handshakes, but then he was just like, oh, this guy is so fucking annoying that I'm not even going to pretend like I like him anymore. He was us in the audience. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> all right. Oh, dear. Next next thing we get, you'll love this, next thing we, we get wrong is we thought that... <laughs> We thought that we thought that Bloodshot would fight KT. That would have been and an interesting scene. Sort of has a moment where he steps out of the way and she kind of runs to kill him and you know falls to her death. Yeah. Pretty much, Bloodshot is responsible for killing her. And then we said right at the end, he manages to find his wife, setting up a possible relationship that we don't really know. Do they or don't they? Yeah. With his wife, and we make a few dick jokes after that. But in the actual <laughs> movie. As we said, KT was a good guy and helped Vin Diesel the entire way. And again, we only see Vin Diesel meet his wife once when he visits her at her home. And that kind of is written off as soon as that's done. He realizes that she's moved on. She's had kids. She's got a family and he kind of forgets about her. So there's no kind of cliffhanger where he might go back and rekindle that romance. And I think the whole reason that they pointed out that they hadn't seen each other, well, Vin Diesel, sorry, Bloodshot and Gina hadn't seen each other for five years is because they clearly had a daughter. Well, Gina had a daughter who was under five years old. And I just want to explain mm. that's definitely not Bloodshot's daughter. No. Because I think there's a point when uh, Bloodshot looks down at the little girl and sees her for the first time that he's thinking in the back of his mind, he's like, is that is that my child? <laughs> you know that like 
that pit that sort of opens up in the the bottom of your stomach when you come across an old flame and suddenly she has a child and you're like, how long ago was it that we last had sex? Could that one be mine? You know that familiar feeling? Not at all, Kieran. I don't I don't partake in such things. Okay. I'm always safe. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> with all that, that was everything we got wrong. By really? Me. That was it? That was it. Wow. That was it. And you can see that I... I was really stretching some things that you could argue we yeah. actually got right or argue that it was close enough to what was right and what was yeah. in the actual movie. But yes, that was all I could find. And with that, we got 15 things wrong. Wow. Wow. What an achievement. Well, let's not speak too soon. We haven't covered everything we got right yet. Let's do that right now. Let's talk about everything that we got right in the movie. I covered everything, obviously, that we got correct. I don't know why I felt the need to point that out. Anyway, so we thought that good old Ray Garrison, a.k.a. Bloodshot, will be told that he's being manipulated by the RST themselves. So the evil corporation will flat out tell him that he's being manipulated. Uh, And that actually happens twice in the movie. I think this was the first thing that we predicted. We said, oh, he's going to find out through Dr. Emil Harding that he's being manipulated. And that is something that actually happens in the movie. I mean, I don't know why I started with that point. It's a little bit confusing. But yeah, I guess go back and listen to that original episode for the context. Well, I guess we were like still trying to flesh out what the situation was going to be. Because we knew the twist was going to be he has to find out that he's being manipulated. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, now that makes more sense. So we said that Bloodshot's wife, Gina, in his memory is a real woman who he was never married to. That's correct. We've already sort of talked about that point. And we said that Bloodshot will meet Gina by the end of the movie. That's true as well. Again, we didn't know that would happen, so I think that's a fairly good call. We said that Dr. Emil Harding is using Bloodshot to tie up loose ends. That's something we specifically said, and that's absolutely the truth. That's his whole motivation in the movie. And we said that Bloodshot will realise that he wasn't the hero marine that he thought he was, uh, which is true, but as we've already discussed, he never was a mobster or a real scumbag in the first place. Yeah, and I think we kind of get the impression that he was a hero marine before he died. Well, it's unconfirmed. He was that same guy. Yeah, it's never really confirmed. Dr. Harding says that he sort of made him a hero through his manipulations. So, Mm. we don't actually know what he was really like back when he was a Marine. I'm sure he wasn't a bad dude, but still. And we said that Wiggins will help Bloodshot realise the truth. Wiggins is actually the first real person in the movie to tell Bloodshot everything that's going on. So, I count that as correct. Yeah. And we said that, here we go, this is something we can argue about. We said that Wiggins is staging a rebellion against his employer. We didn't necessarily say it was Dr. Emil Harding. We just said his employer. Now, the guy with the beard is Barris. He was working with RST before Dr. Emil turned against him. And what Wiggins does is he allows Bloodshot to kill Barris, who is Wiggins' employer at that point, so that he can get out of indentured servitude, basically. So, in a way, he is staging a rebellion against his employer by having him killed to get him out of being like a prison in the in his basement. It's very loose, Kieran. I guess so. Um, I just thought listening back to it, it was like, oh, in a loose way, we we're kind of right about the character. The character does want to, you know, get out of the situation he's currently in. And he does use Bloodshot yes. to do that. He does, yes. Because another point we bring up, I don't think I really listed it as something we got correct, is that we said that he'll see Bloodshot as an opportunity to get out of working for the company that he's in. Wiggins. Yeah, that's right. Sorry, did I say someone else? No, no, no. I just wanted to confirm it was Wiggins. Yeah. But yeah, he, d- he does do that, right? Yeah, that is true. That is true. Again, I didn't really count it, though. Though I just thought it sort of backs up the whole idea of him staging a rebellion against his employer. We said that Jimmy Dalton is a bad guy, no duh, and he's the dragon of Harting. I kind of count that because he's more so the yep. dragon than the, you know, the eyes on his chest guy who seems like a very useless character. And well, we s- he had a drone, right? 
That was his thing. Yeah, he had a drone that didn't do anything. <laughs> it just sort of looked around at stuff and he was just like, oh, yeah, I can see him. He sees everything. Yeah, that's true. Didn't see It didn't stop him from being killed off unceremoniously, though. Yes, in, in the worst elevator fight scene ever. Yes, and we said that Jimmy Dalton will originally work alongside Bloodshot, which is absolutely true. They're a real team at the beginning, sort of. Yeah, they are. And we said that Bloodshot will beat up Jimmy Dalton, and, well, in the actual movie, he kills him, but he does beat him up first. And we said that Axe is the first victim of Bloodshot that we see in the movie. That's absolutely true. Axe is. is the first person that we see Bloodshot sent after. And we said that Axe is set up as a villain, but it is revealed that Bloodshot's memories have been manipulated, so he thinks that Axe is a bad guy. That was really obvious from the trailer, but we still got it right. Yeah, the trailer helped us out with that one. Yeah. So we said that Bloodshot isn't told about his past, so he doesn't remember these manipulated memories. He isn't told about his manipulated memories directly. He's just left to have flashbacks and remember them on his own, which is something that absolutely happens in the movie. Mm -hmm. They give him, like, tequila or something, and then they play Psycho Killer, and he has, like, a a flashback. Why does the tequila make him remember? I don't know. Maybe there's some sort of drug in it that sets off the memory. Well, I thought they were controlling his brain at the time, and then they they played the memory right there and then, made him believe that, you know, the tequila and the music is what set him up. Yeah, on. I think that's actually more accurate. Yeah, but yeah, that, that kind of confused be. me, because the chances of that happening every single time would be kind of slim, right? Yeah, that's true. And they say it happens the same every single time. Yeah, yeah. You think they'd change it up for the sake of all the people <laughs> who have to reenact it every time. Like, by, like, the third time that... Uh, Guy Pierce is like looking up at the monitors and saying, Bloodshot, what are you doing? Where are you going? He sounds like he's so tired of saying that. <laughs> it's like, it's your script, motherfucker. Change it up. Well, doesn't he? Doesn't he change from being like a tennis player to a cricket player? Yeah, that's true. He does. Yeah, I think that's more of a gag, though. Yeah, it's interesting that they had to do that, but we, we kind of make fun of that later on, which I'll get to. Uh, we said that in Bloodshot's memories, Axe is a heartless killer, but in reality, we see that he's a scared white collar guy. That was absolutely how it was. Again, we sort of got this from the trailer, though. We said that Dr. Emile provides Bloodshot with the location of his victims. He absolutely does. He basically uploads it to his sort of, like, internal mainframe and goes like, oh, this is just where he happens to be. Who is this person? Oh, you're targeting him for assassination? Oh, no, don't do that. I love that so much. He's like, no, Bloodshot, don't. Come back. Don't go out. But if you want to find this guy, this is his exact location. But don't stop. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And again, this is something you said that we kind of got wrong, but we said that Bloodshot's victims aren't bad people, but he's constantly manipulated into thinking they are, which is the truth. Well, again, okay. we've argued As whether a- they're bad people or not. Yeah, with with Axe, we don't actually know no. who he, what he's like, so it's hard to determine whether he's a bad guy or a good guy. I would think he's working for this corporation, so he, he may be a bad guy because they seem pretty sinister anyway. Um, Barris definitely seems to me to be a bad guy, but I guess... Well, how many people has Barris killed? Well, we don't know. He's probably killed none. He could just be a mean Maybe. guy. We don't know if he's a real villain. He's he's pr- imprisoning some guy. Yeah, that's though. true. We've already explained this. So, yeah, he's not but, a good uh, guy, but he's not but necessarily if, a villain. Yeah, if, if they're bad guys, if they're not nice people, to your point, Bloodshot thinks they're way worse than what they actually are. Absolutely. So, they haven't actually done what he's been told they've done. They haven't murdered his wife, which is our point there. Yeah. We said that Wiggins reveals this information to Bloodshot and Bloodshot swears revenge against Harding. That happens. He says, what does he, he does like the whole Rambo 2 thing where he's like, Harding, I'm coming for you. I'm coming to get you. Well, that's more of a uh, (laughs) honest thief thing, isn't it? I'm coming for you. Anyway, we said that every time Bloodshot's memory is erased, he's given the exact same story when he wakes up. That's absolutely Mm -hmm. the truth. 
And we said that the movie will open. I think we sort of like rewound. I was like, how does the movie really start? And we said that the yes. movie will open with Bloodshot with his wife. By the way, this was such a like a bang, 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 constant barrage of just things that we got absolutely right. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> we said that the movie will open with Bloodshot and his wife. And Bloodshot's in the military at this point. That's true. We knew that. We said that Bloodshot lives in Italy with his wife in a Tuscan villa. That's absolutely true. He does yes. live in Italy. We didn't know that. Yeah, how crazy is that? We just picked that from the visuals. That's true, yeah. We said that Bloodshot takes down a terror cell that is involved with Axe. That's absolutely yep. true. We sort of knew that. Budapest, yeah. Yep. We said that. No, Matty D, it's Budapest. <laughs> That's <laughs> a joke. That's a joke you'll know in the future. We said that we'll see Bloodshot coming home to his wife, and that was the truth. We, see that, we said that everything seems nice, but then something feels off. That absolutely happens in the movie. He's standing there looking in the mirror. Here's like a tinkle of China in the background. We said that Bloodshot will hear a sound in the background and Axe and his men burst into his villa. That happens. And we said that Bloodshot will take on all the armed men himself and will just barely lose. That absolutely happens. We said that Axe has hunted down Bloodshot for revenge and will kill his wife and then eventually Bloodshot, just like in Robocop. That's absolutely true. And we, we said that Emil's fake reasoning behind reviving Bloodshot is that he was a useful soldier. That's absolutely true. And we oh, said wow. that we presume that Bloodshot has gone rogue when he goes out to kill his victims. That's something we got from the trailers. And we said that Bloodshot is introduced to the concept of his nanobots when Dr. Emil cuts his hand open. That happens. And we're introduced to all of the workers at RST after Bloodshot is revived. That absolutely happens. We get to see the whole rogues gallery of villains. And we said that Dr. Emil shuts down Bloodshot after he kills Axe. And once he's shut down, he reveals to the audience that they're manipulating his memories. That's absolutely true. So look at us go. We're just absolutely on fire that's at this a, point. That's pretty much the movie. Yes, we. when we just said, oh, I think this is how the movie's going to go, we just... Rapid fire just nailed the movie, beat by beat. Yes. It was incredible to listen back to. We said that we'll see Bloodshot play out the exact same scenario from the start of the movie again from Dr. Emil and KT's perspective. That's absolutely the truth. And this was something that we made a joke about, but <laughs> bear with me here. We said that Dr. Emil rehearses his lines and gives notes to the other workers on their performance. <laughs> we even say that he'll call out KT specifically for not being convincing enough. And that all absolutely happens in the movie. It was incredible. <laughs> but I love <laughs> what, the what? So I missed the part in the movie where, because I, I remember he criticised KT. Was it because she wasn't convincing or because she did something? Yeah, she said something that she shouldn't have. So Bloodshot said, oh, I'm done. And then Katie said, yeah, me too. I'm done as well. And then uh, Bloodshot was like, what do you mean by that? And she's like, oh, nothing. And then they sort of had to uh, cover that up. But yeah. I thought it was the whole coin thing. Yeah, there was a little bit of that as well. He basically just didn't care for KT's performance. He's like, you've got to be more convincing. You don't seem like your heart's in it. <laughs> But yeah, I love the part where we actually see, like we sort of predicted, Dr. Emil's like, he's standing there before he turns the mic and he's like, what are you doing? Bloodshot, what are you doing? And then he turns on the mic and he's like, what are you doing? Bloodshot, what are you doing? Like he's practicing, like as though he hasn't said it a million times before. <laughs> well, you know, you've got, you got to get the same energy. Yeah, that's right. That's true. Like I think they all have like an acting, an acting game that warms them up. Yes. They like hum together and do their stretches. No, Dr. Emil sits them all down with a clipboard after each session and then he just goes through like, all right, now, Jimmy Dalton, now I noticed you flubbed a line there. You're going to have to do a better job. And I didn't really feel like your energy when you were trying to say to Bloodshot, like, oh, we're all a bit tired today. <laughs> KT, I didn't really feel it from you today. Yeah. What was your motivation again, KT? Really tell me what your character is trying to achieve when she's going into this scene. <laughs> I wish the director of this movie like, had the same scrutiny with the actors. Might have been a better <laughs> movie. <laughs> wow. 
We said that KT goes into Bloodshot's memory at one point and swaps things around. That sort of happens towards the end of the movie. She's trying to indicate to Bloodshot that he's being manipulated once his memory's been wiped. And we said that Bloodshot will see one of these changes and realises what's happening to him. It's actually KT appearing in his memory to him in the actual movie that triggers this. Yes, that does happen. And we said that at one stage, Bloodshot's memory wipe doesn't work for some reason, causing Bloodshot to wake up with full knowledge. Now, Wiggins actually prevents Emil from wiping Bloodshot's memory at one point, so I counted that as correct. Because <laughs> there's that scene where he's knocked out lying on the bed, and they're looking down at him, and it's like, oh, thank goodness, he's, you know, his memory's been wiped, and then they look back, and he's standing up staring at them. Yes. All right, here's another debatable point. We said that okay. Wiggins helps Bloodshot because he's working with a group of rebel employees. Now, the reason I said that that's technically true is because Wiggins is working with former RST employees who are trying to stop Bloodshot. And as I already said earlier, Wiggins does rebel against these employees, these former employees. So that's kind of correct. I mean, that is a stretch. If you take what we said and not what we meant, then yes, we were correct. Yeah, which uh, I suppose we don't really need to do that. But like I said, if you listen to it in that context, it, it kind of is the truth. It is. So we sort of got that element correct about Wiggins. He is working with a group of rebel employees because he is. He I, is, I yes. can't say that that's incorrect. He doesn't want to be working for them, though. No, that's true. We said that Bloodshot goes back to the RST and confronts Emil. Yes, that does happen at one point. And Emil takes Bloodshot into the memory and shows him that it's all artificial. Yes, that happens. We've already discussed that. And the bad guys tell Bloodshot what's going on since they know that his memory is going to be wiped anyway. That happens twice throughout the movie. Good old uh, Jimmy Dalton is just like, you know what? You're just a tool and, you know, we wipe your memory and get you to do stupid things and you do the same thing like an idiot every time. (laughs) And that's supposed to be the big reveal to us that they're bad guys. But, like, anyone who's seen the trailers would already know what's going on. Yeah. It takes them so long to reveal that. Yes. It's almost like an hour into the movie. That's the worst part. We said that Emil tries to appeal to Bloodshot's conscience by telling him that he made him a hero and gave him a family and a better life. Now, that wasn't in any of the trailers or promotional material, so we were dead on the money there. But that's like a stock standard element of all of these sort of movies, though, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, And we actually predicted as well that Wiggins would bypass Bloodshot's memory wipe. I've already sort of mentioned it. But yeah, we said that Wiggins is the one that prevents Bloodshot's memory from being wiped. That absolutely happens in the movie. It gives him extra superpowers as well. Yeah, somehow. I don't quite know how that works. It's like, you've got some extra nanobots in you. Coding. Yeah. Coding. Yeah, magical coding. He's sort of like a superhero, and his power is coding. <laughs> I can tell you loved him. Yeah. We said that there'll be a moment where the RST tries to shut down Bloodshot, and it doesn't work. We've already sort of mentioned that. And we said that Bloodshot attacks the RST head-on and has to fight through their armed guards. That does happen. And they'll send in Jimmy Dalton, who has Dr. Octopus arms, to fight Bloodshot. Of course <laughs> that happens. He even did the Dr. Octopus thing where he, like, scraped the walls. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I thought that was incredible. Uh, we said that Bloodshot will defeat Jimmy Dalton near the climax of the movie. It's within the last 15 minutes of the movie, so it might as well be the climax. And Bloodshot will cut off Jimmy Dalton's octopus arms like he's General Grievous. That absolutely happens. And then he uses them to throw it at Dr. Emil. <laughs> I couldn't believe we predicted that. And we said that KT has some kind of superpower. In, in the actual movie, she has special lungs that prevent her from, you know, inhalants. So she can't breathe any sort of gases and she's not affected by any gases. Yeah, and she can breathe underwater. That's what I kind of got from yeah, it as well. because she was a Navy diver who, like, swam through some chemicals and destroyed her lungs. So that was the whole reason for that. But, yeah, if she's, like, not affected by gas at all, she'd be, like, a perfect girlfriend for me. <laughs> we said that Bloodshot will kill Emil in a brutal way. Well, in the actual movie, he blows him up with a grenade, so I'd say that's fairly brutal. 
like he essentially sacrifices himself, or we think that he's sacrificing himself to kill Emil. That's fairly brutal, but since it's Vin Diesel, of course he's not affected by death. No. <laughs> Twice throughout the movie. And finally, we said at the end of the movie, they'll suggest that what we've seen is just another memory implant. Now, believe it or not, what is the last line in the movie? I c- cannot remember. Um, so as they're the- driving off into the sunset, Wigan says, this seems all a little bit too perfect. Are we sure that this isn't just another memory imp-? And then they cut to credits. It's sort of oh, like an inception moment. I missed that. Yeah. I only noticed it the second time watching the movie. So I was like, ah, they are trying to set up that this is all just a memory implant. But we initially, if you go back and listen to that actual episode, we thought it would be way more explicit where they're just like, we see that he is shut down and there's like an evil, um, like a more higher evil corporation that's controlling him. Like the, I think we said it was like the original Japanese corporation that created him in the comics. They might be introduced. Yeah, there you go. I didn't, I didn't think that that was a twist at the end of the movie. I just kind of thought, oh, he got his happy ending. Yeah, well, no, they actually put like a whole lampshade hanging on it where they're like, yeah, it may seem like a happy ending, but we're just going to put doubt in your mind by pointing out, no, this is a little too perfect. How do we know that this isn't a memory implant? And that's the point that they end the movie on. Like I said, a real inception moment. Mm. But why would Wiggins say that then if it's Vin Diesel's memory? Because he's the comic relief and Vin Diesel's too complacent. Maybe they're trying to suggest to him through, you know, this implanted memory that everything it's not as it seems. Okay. I guess it's really up to interpretation because it could go either way. So if they don't end up making a sequel. sequel, Yeah, exactly. We both had the same point there. Since it's not getting a sequel, it's, you know, it's not going to be a memory implant. It's going to be the happy ending. But if there was a sequel, they could have had it that it was all a a fabrication the whole time. Now, believe it or not, there actually was a post-credit scene that was deleted. Oh, really? So the post credit scene sort of was going to set up future movies. So it was essentially going to be like the Samuel Jackson as Nick Fury approaching Bloodshot to accrue him into the, the Valiant Avengers. No. Uh, no, really? So what it was, was I think they said it was going to be Bloodshot wearing his traditional comic book outfit. I think they said he was going to be facing up against a giant wolf voiced by Ken Watanabe. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I may have misinterpreted what I was reading there, but yeah, that was the the big and the short of it. So it was supposed to be more sort of like comic book characters and it was supposed to tie it into this supposed eventual Valiant cinematic universe. A wolf, a talking wolf. Yeah, a talking wolf by <laughs> with Ken Watanabe's voice. Does the wolf agree to help Bloodshot save his swamp and rescue Princess Fiona? <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> but we didn't get that, so it doesn't even really matter. It's not even worth <laughs> Disappointment bringing it up. Yep, so if you add up everything we got correct there, that's a total of 49 points. So how many points did you say we got wrong? 15. 15 to 49, I think that's a pretty clear victory in my book. So 49 correct and 15 incorrect. This one we did pretty well. Yes, I've always said that this is our best prediction and I personally think this has been our best sort of like joint prediction so far. I think we've had some standalone predictions, like each one of us has sort of come up with a more solid prediction than this one but yeah i think working as a team this is the best effort we've done so far yeah i mean the stuff we got wrong was few and far between and even then you could debate some of it so i think we called this movie i think we got as close to perfect as we could get yeah well in saying that though we sort of hinted at this at the start of the episode a lot of people who i've spoken to who have also seen this movie were were sort of like disappointed and shocked that the trailer of this movie spoils absolutely everything in the plot and the movie is basically extremely predictable because of it so was the reason that we got everything right because the trailers just gave way too much information away and why did they do that yeah i watched this movie and my housemate also had seen it he walked in and he was like oh bloodshot this was a really good movie oh no (laughs) are you serious and and he sort of said oh yeah like how cool is the twist 
And I was like, you mean the twist they called in the trailer? Like the, the twist that was in the actual trailer itself? And he was like, that was in the trailer? So this guy had no idea wow. what the twist was going to be. So his movie experience was completely different, and he didn't see the whole, he was manipulated the entire time. He didn't see that angle at all until it happened. Wow, that's actually quite interesting because one of the points that I wanted to talk about was the whole idea that the movie is really hurt overall, like plot-wise, it's really hurt by the fact that everything's given away in the trailer. And I really wanted to know if I went into the movie or if you went into the movie completely cold, Matty D, would we have a completely different experience? Was the experience ruined because we knew so much of the plot going in? And by the sounds of it, that may be the case. I think so. I think they really shot themselves in the foot by... Bloodshot themselves in the foot. twist. (laughs) <laughs> yes, bloodshot themselves in the foot. Yeah, I, th- I think they kind of ruined things for themselves. They could have sold this movie easily and then kept the twist a secret. And then, yeah. you know, at least there would have been something for you watching it. As we said in the original episode, though, I think they were so confident that people would go and see this movie and love this movie because of Vin Diesel and the character and, you know, this whole idea of his memory being manipulated that they were just like, yep, let's just screw it. We're just going to throw everything out there and uh, people will watch it anyway. That wasn't the truth, but yeah, I think it would have been a much better experience if I went into this movie not knowing it at all. I probably would have enjoyed it a lot more because, yeah, let's sort of go into our thoughts of the movie. Manny D, you you haven't really been holding your cards close to your chest, but I really want to know, (laughs) after finally seeing the movie, was it everything you expected it to be? Were you surprised at all? Were you more disappointed? I really want to know. Well, it was everything I expected it to be because we called the entire plot. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) More or less. But doesn't that make the experience more enjoyable for you if we just nailed it so well? Like, doesn't it make you just really proud of us? Yeah, I guess so. I, you know, I I tried to watch this. This was my second attempt at this movie because I didn't get through it the first time because I found it so unwatchable. And I got to tell you, it was hard to watch this movie. And I got to be completely honest. There was... Uh, bits in the movie which I actually liked. Like that whole tunnel oh, really? fight scene was kind of cool. Yeah. There were some cool action scenes. And I'm going to say something that I know already you're going to disagree with. But right. I thought the acting, except for one particular person, yeah. was pretty good. Yeah. And I almost had more fun watching everybody else compensate for the dead weight yes. <laughs> that they had to act against. I found it more like I found it entertaining just watching these guys, you know, push so hard and like emote so much because Vin Diesel was giving them absolutely nothing through the whole movie. And I dare say that, and I know I'm shitting on him a lot. If you take him, Vin Diesel, out of this movie and replace him with another actor, replace him with somebody who's not like a big buff action movie star, I think it's a better movie. Yeah. So if I didn't know the twist and it was a different actor, this movie would at least be all right, like, it would at least be watchable. Yeah, I agree. Now, I think I agree with absolutely everything you said there. I actually had a lot of fun with some of the action scenes in the movie. I thought they were pretty good. And for the Mm. most part, the special effects were fairly, you know, convincing. You know, I I liked it whenever he got shot in the face and you'd see, like, his skull and organs and stuff and then, like, the nanobots would, like, reassemble him. I thought that was kind of cool in a Terminator-esque way. But, yeah, if I didn't know the twist... And if they replaced Vin Diesel with a different actor, I probably would have enjoyed this movie a hell of a lot more, which is, yeah, really kind of surprising. I'm not going to shit on you for that because I absolutely agree with that. The problem with this movie, the real problem with Bloodshot is that it's not necessarily a bad movie. It's also not great. So it comes really down the middle. So it's not really that fun to watch. It's not that fun to talk about in like a doolittle sort of way. Like it wasn't laugh out loud bad. And it wasn't like, oh, on the edge of your seat, good either. So it was just sort of like a, eh, an empty experience for me. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I found it particularly like 
the Vin Diesel side of things, the bloodshot side of things, I found some of it really cringy. Like, of yeah. course, no one can beat him. So there was never any stakes. You knew he was never going to get hurt. Yeah. And you knew he was never, ever going to have any character flaws because Vin Diesel just doesn't. So no. everything he was going to do was going to be right. Everything he was going to do was going to be the smart option. Everything he was going to do was going to be, you know, manly and strong and tough and all this stuff. And everyone was going to love him and respect him. So there was never any danger in the movie at all. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Now, that was one of the criticisms I always had with The Crow. Have you ever seen The Crow, the Brandon Lee movie? No, but I know what you're going to say. You're going to say that The Crow couldn't die, that there was no danger in it. That's absolutely true. So once he's killed off in the movie, he comes back as an immortal being and he goes around and takes out all like the thugs that killed him in the first place. But the whole time I'm sitting there thinking, you know, he can't die. What are the stakes here? I'm not like nervous for him. I'm not thinking that he isn't going to win. He's immortal. And essentially, it's the same with Bloodshot. So, not only did we know everything going into the movie, we knew the plot beat for beat. We knew that he wasn't going to be defeatable at all. So, there's just literally no stakes to the movie whatsoever. So, we literally, we're like Dr. Emil. We're watching him play out this scenario. We know exactly what it's going to go in. We watch him play it out and hit all the beats. And then when you're finished, you're just left feeling empty. So, yeah. Again, I feel like we were really robbed of an experience, not only by doing the show and sort of predicting what would happen and being right, but just by watching the trailer and having everything that might have been intriguing taken away from us. Mm. It's like someone told us what was going to happen in the movie and then we sat down and watched it and we're like, yep, that's what happened in the movie. <laughs> it definitely it definitely felt like that. I mean, I'm happy that we got it right. Yeah, me that too. Was, that was a good experience. But yeah, it, there was potential there. Yeah. Like how cool would it have been if, if Vin Diesel was like, a bad guy, like a crime guy. How yeah. cool would it have been if he felt bad about killing innocent people? Yes. How good would it have been if there was any kind of growth or any kind of shades of gray or any kind of flaw or any kind of doubt? Yeah. But, and it just felt like because it's him, he doesn't like doing that. So he has to be the cool military guy that's like on this line the entire way and nothing ever moves up or down. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you a hundred percent. Yeah. It just like I always say, he's a real black hole. A cinematic yeah. black hole. All the energy in the room just is sucked into him, and he he brings nothing out. He never puts anything out. So, and everybody else is having a fun time with this movie. Guy Pierce has like realizes this isn't a serious movie. He's just you know hamming it up. Like everyone's having fun. I even liked Wiggins. I thought I, I thought he was entertaining. Yeah, Wiggins was. And all then right. you got our main character who just every line he mumbles and stares off in the distance and doesn't look anyone in the eye and just walks off. <laughs> he'll just like will walk yeah. in a direction and give exposition. And then someone will ask him something and he'll walk in a different direction and give exposition. In like, the scene, I thought it was weird as well. In the scene where he's fighting, well, he's trying to fight to kill Axe, and then there's like there's flour everywhere, and for some reason, flour isn't flammable in this movie. Uh, in that scene, it felt really uncharacteristic for him to draw the smiley face on the window. Did you think that as yeah. well? Like I'm like nothing we've seen about this character so far would indicate that he'd take any joy out of drawing a smiley face on a window. <laughs> yeah, that felt really odd. I didn't understand that. That was probably something that was in the script, but. It just They should have cut that because it really didn't fit the character that they presented at all because he was basically like a humorless dick. <laughs> what do you mean? He's likable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's absolutely likable. I think I liked every other character except for Bloodshot. That so so likable that, you know, somebody who's 20 years his senior is going to, or his junior is going to fall in love with him, presumably. Yeah, presumably. Oh, well. Who knows? A few things I just wanted to quickly bring up as well. Did you notice the the blatant coming to America reference in the movie? That was something yes, I was surprised by. Yeah. So, when uh, Bloodshot asks Wiggins who he is, he goes, I am King Joffrey Jafar, which is a reference to James L. Jones' character from Coming to America. I thought that was so weird because when I watched the movie, I hadn't seen Coming to America. And now, of course, I've seen both of them. 
I was just like, oh, there you go. It's another connection to our show. And also <laughs> another that. weird connection to our show. It's not really a connection, but I thought it was interesting. That Bloodshot trains, instead of punching a, a, like a punching bag, because he's just too strong to handle a punching bag, he trains by punching a pole exactly like Shang-Chi does. <laughs> what by a coincidence. Way, I love that entire scene when he's like lifting these heavy dumbbells. <laughs> <laughs> and punching... <laughs> What looks like a structural pylon. I was like, why are you punching that? That's not going to be good for the building. Yeah, the whole thing's going to collapse. And yes. You're going to kill everybody. Yeah, I thought uh, that would be a great end to the scene where he, like, he just punches through the structural pylon and then the ceiling just collapses down on him. I also love as well, and I'm not, I'm not trying to have a go, God bless him, but Vin Diesel's an older guy these days. And maybe wasn't in the shape or is not in the shape that he was previously. And the camera, you know, is so strategic at trying not to shoot him that way. Yeah. It looks like he has a bit of a belly. Again, I don't want to, like, bag him out. But it does look like he's a little bit bulkier in the in, around the tum-tums than usual. And <laughs> yeah. they're very much trying to, like, Steven Seagal with the camera angles and just hide his belly, <laughs> which I thought yes. was interesting. Anyway, I think we've ragged on Bloodshot enough. Let's close the book on Bloodshot forever since I don't Well, think- I think we got to thank Bloodshot. Thank oh, yeah? you for giving our best prediction. Yes. Well, our best prediction so far. So far. But yeah, since you gave everything away in the trailer, thank you. Thank you for that. And it just makes us look better. <laughs> makes us feel better. Why did better. they do it? Why did they do it? It was such a stupid decision. I'll never understand that. I tell you what, one final thing I will say about Bloodshot. I think down the line, way off in the future when people sort of like don't watch trailers and may just sort of stumble across this movie by accident, it may gain some like cult acclaim. It may gain cult movie status Mm. just because it it probably is going to be like a much better experience watching it completely blind like your friend did. Yeah. And one one element that I think is enjoyable is that there's kind of a self-awareness to the movie. Like they, I think they say at one stage, oh, we're just taking every single action movie cliche. Yes. And, and using it for, you know, Vin He's, Diesel's memory, which yeah, is so right. true. And and the fact that Vin Diesel repeats the same things in the same tone is kind of, I think, yes. very self-aware of his acting. Those were my favorite parts of the movie. I mean, uh, we're, we're just persisting with it, but like when uh, Axe comes out dancing to Psycho Killer, I was like, oh my God, this is so cliche. I've seen this so many times. But then later in the movie, they call it out and say that like, it is such a cliche of action movies. Why did you put it in his memory? Like, that's so stupid. And I was like, yes, yes. there you go. You've redeemed the moment for me. <laughs> So that's enjoyable. So but there's lots you- of enjoyable elements in the movie, but then, yeah, it's just, it was kind of ruined for us. Yeah, because we knew the twist coming and it took so long for it to happen. And when yes. it did happen, there was no payoff. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, like I said, let's close the book on Bloodshot. Let's, we've reopened Done. it, but now we're actually closing it because I think we need to all go home, move on with our lives, and not think about Bloodshot <laughs> again until they do Bloodshot 2, which is not going to happen. With Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Oh, fingers crossed. That would be such a better movie. <laughs> I hate to say it, but yeah, that would be a much more enjoyable movie. But we're not going to be ever talking about a Bloodshot 2. But next episode, next week, we're going to be talking about a different sequel. And this is, in fact, a sequel to a movie that we've covered before on this show. I can't believe it. We're finally doing it again for the second time ever. We're covering a movie sequel that we've actually covered the original movie as well. It was your original goal for the show. Yes, it was. But we already achieved it when we did Godzilla vs. Kong. And we're doing it again when we finally get to cover Adam's Family 2. Yep, that's what we're doing. Adam's Family too. You don't sound excited for this at all, Matty D. It wasn't a movie I loved <laughs> when we covered it before. Yeah. And 
I mean, I mean, we do we do have a, an existing Adams Family sequel that was really good, so maybe yes. this will be the same. Yeah, it may be even better than that first movie that we covered. And I don't think you're in it, though, unfortunately. No, I don't think we so. We were sort Dan. of campaigning for you to be like a random voice in it, but they didn't like my they didn't like my interpretation of the character. No, no, apparently not from the sounds of it. <laughs> So you, the dear listener, if you have any theories on what you think is going to happen in Adam's Family 2, if you watched the first movie because of our show, do you have any ideas just based on what we saw and what we originally predicted, what will happen in a second Adam's Family movie? Let us know. Let us know if you went into Bloodshot completely blind and thought it was a much better movie than we did. Or even not, if you just enjoyed the movie, tell us what you enjoyed about it. Yeah, if you knew the twist and still found the movie satisfying to watch why was that? You can let us know at our email address, potentialspoilerspod at gmail.com. You can find us on our social media pages at Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Or you can just simply leave us a comment on this episode's page on our Podbean site. So, until we return next week to predict what's going to happen in Adam's Family 2. The company that we work for is going to shut us down and we're going to do this episode again. The exact same way. Oh, no. Memories are I just heard this. Are they playing this on repeat?